Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dumb. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. What's up, you guys? It's The List and your boy, number 120-something. We are live-ish. Live-ish. Why am I so low? Oh, it's because you got to pop in with Nigel uh, every every so often. We got all this space <laughs> up here. I don't know what to do with my hands, Jimmy. You look like one of Bailey's blow-ups. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's my side gig, Jimmy. That's how your you side doing? Gig. I'm good. What did you think of Vegas, Sean Rossap? I think somebody's got my debit card, is what I think. Yeah, did you figure that out? Uh, well, in the way that I had my card canceled and have a new one coming my way, but yeah. Maybe you left it in the cab. I lost it literally minutes before I left. Okay, minutes. so you didn't so you didn't leave it in a back room anywhere? Probably. <laughs> okay. Um, first thing that I want to say is we're taping this week as a precaution because we think we figured out the issue. We think that it was a hardware issue. Uh, and uh, next week we are going to be able to go live again like normal. But we're taping one more week just as a precaution. And then uh, next week we should be good to go again. And so again, again, I saw the comments from people saying, "Oh, you're, you know, this show's becoming a train wreck." We've checked everything over. We've done due diligence on everything. Uh, my IT guy says he's 99% sure it's hardware. So okay, next week we'll be live again, man. I- I'm ready. I'm excited. Well. We have a lot to talk about, Sean. As you no, like to say, don't. as you like to say, Sean, there's a lot some, to unpack here. You're going to show some dumbass video of me using chopsticks incorrectly. What are you talking about, Sean? I know you, Jimmy. Why would I do such a thing? Because I know you even better now. So, I went to Vegas for StarCast. Uh, I went there for two reasons, okay? The first reason is because I had, you know, I wanted to see what StarCast was about. I go to Vegas every year for my core business, uh, and there's always a conference and stuff. And I wanted to kind of get an idea of what StarCast was about in comparison to that. Uh, 
And uh, I'm glad I went, but now that I've been, I know that I don't need to go again. I think it's really good for you, Sean, to get content because yeah. you are the face of Fightful.com. I don't think I need to go again, so I don't know if I will. But that, yeah. was, that was the first reason. Other reason I went is because Sean Ross Sapp had never been to Vegas, and I promise you I was going to take care of you. I think I did, Sean. What do you think? Yeah, you did. You did. I think I did. <laughs> I was very well taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> spent, I, I spent a good chunk of change on Mr. Ross Sapp. And, uh, yeah. and I, have a, I have a few things I want to show people. So one of the things that I said to Sean was, you know, man, we're here in Vegas. We're at the whatever casino we were at that day, uh, the Paris. We were waiting for, for brunch. So uh, I said to him, let's hit a slot machine in, in Las Vegas. And at first, Sean Not was like, my slots. I, well, at first, Sean was like, uh, I don't really want to. And so I ended up like I gave you like 20 bucks or something. And I said, yeah. let's use the slot machine. I took some footage of it. Put that up, Nigel. You're filming vertically. Like, like a heathen chip. It works. It works. What, what, what am I doing? First you put money in the machine. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull out. I think that when you pulled your wallet out, moths just came out of your pocket. Uh, I this crisp Canadian $20 bill. And Jimmy, I just... Don't know where this goes. I gotta go to the ATM. What you want? You want people to see my pin number? You don't want them to see my bank account. You don't want that. Nobody wants that. So that I was basically. A I basically did that just to tell my grandmother that I did play slots in Vegas because that's all she was worried about. Well, there you go. Uh, from there, so the first night that I was there, I was there on the Friday, I took Sean Ross Sapp along with Andrew Thompson, who's one of our writers who, uh, who was in Vegas, and Andrew's dad. I took him to a nice steakhouse. Uh, Sean was joking on the, uh, the wrap-up uh, show with Andrew about how I was feeding him raw beef. In reality, I gave him Wagyu. What'd you think of it, Sean? Why would someone slow roast a dog's asshole and serve it to their employee, Jimmy? Uh-huh. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you know what the bill was that night, Sean. Yeah, it was good stuff. It was and, good and stuff. And Sean enjoyed it. He didn't know what the hell truffled mashed potatoes was, but otherwise he You didn't know what cornhole was and how poetic that it was on WWE Raw this week. I thought that was interesting. So I, I recognized it from, like, another name, not cornhole. I recognized it as, like, a beanbag toss. toss. Yeah, 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 just not as cornhole. So there was that. Then on the Sunday night, uh, I decided I want to uh, give Sean Ross Sapp a taste of international cuisine. Uh, and again, Andrew Thompson was with us. Oh, wait, different, different. Different. So uh, Andrew Thompson was with us. So I took him to a Japanese oh, restaurant. And oh, was this an experience. So now you got to remember, I'm a small town boy too, but I've been in Toronto long enough that I've experienced all this stuff. Watching Sean Ross Sapp try to navigate chopsticks, watching him look at sashimi, which uh, if anybody doesn't know, it's pieces of raw fish. Watching him look at, what else did I order? I ordered like sushi rolls with Wagyu and, and shrimp in them. It was quite the experience. I took some footage of it. Put that up there, Nigel. Can they hear me, Nigel? Hey. Yeah, they should be able to. Look at him holding those shots. <laughs> Look at him holding those chopsticks. Look at him. Oh, he got it in there. Good job, buddy. Good job, buddy. He got it in. Andrew took one bite of ginger and was like, no, I'm good, like, for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Now, one other thing about Andrew. So, uh, Andrew, you know, he's a young kid. He's 21 years old. I could tell he didn't want to be disrespectful to me. And so everything that I ordered, he tried. 
even without me having to push him, he tried everything. I took a picture of him when he wasn't looking, of him looking befuddled at a piece of tuna sashimi. It was, uh, yeah, and it, it was, was and I, I got to show you this photo. Put that photo up, Nigel. Look at him looking at that. <laughs> that was me. That was me too. We we agreed that it kind of tasted like watermelon, like a little bit. It did not at all. It didn't it did at all taste like watermelon. Like if watermelon no. was a fish, it'd be no. that. It tasted like but tuna sashimi. It here's did not the way taste that like I look at it, Jimmy. If a dish has not been cheapened, bastardized, and mass produced by somebody, then it's probably not worth anything. Uh huh. Uh huh. So anyway, that ended up being a fun experience. Poor Andrew. I don't think he ate anything that night whatsoever. Andrew uh, might not have eaten anything else for the trip. He might not. Well, that, that was, was his that last was, night, but yeah. That was the last night, yeah. But yep. that, that was a lot of fun. We we had a good time with Andrew. We got a lot of uh, good content there. But. We did, and I was I was Sean's I, – I jokingly referred to myself as Sean's camera bitch because I manned the camera so Sean could get interviews at StarCast. And that leads me to the story about the incident. Oh, boy. Now – when this incident occurred, I told Sean, I am telling the story on the podcast. Sean said, Jimmy, please. I want to build relationships with these people. I want to all get right, content. All right, all right. You're going to hold the fuck up right there because that's not what I said. I yeah, said, did. Jimmy. No, I did not say, Jimmy, please. No, Jimmy, what, you, you said it the way you always say it. You said it the way you always say it. You said, oh, God damn. That's Sean's yes. way of basically saying, oh, geez, he's going to do it kind of thing. So I, then, and it's my way of saying you can bury people, but it affects me. And then sure. it affects you because you'll come and say, uh, Sean, why aren't you getting this story? Well, maybe it's because <laughs> you buried somebody on the air and I don't have those kinds. Fair, fair. So, so I'm the kind of guy. So first I'll tell you the story. Uh, and I promise, Sean, I won't mention names because I understand you're the face of Fightful and all that. I get it. So it's I won't... not going to be hard for people to figure out who it is. Maybe not, but whatever. So, I, so, I so there was. I want to give them the satisfaction. Yeah, that's fine. So there, there was a uh, a female wrestler that was at Starcast that I already said uh, too much. No, nah, I don't care. Didn't want to be interviewed, which is fine. So we were <sighs> interviewing somebody else uh, that was nearby to where she where she was, and. Uh, as I was holding the camera, interviewing this other person, I could tell in my peripheral vision that she was staring at me. You know, I could just tell. Uh, then I noticed in my peripheral vision she was shaking her head like this. Then another wrestler came along and, and walked up to her, and I heard her talking shit about us. I heard her saying stuff like, look at these fucking marks and stuff like that. Now, to our credit, I guess, the other wrestler that approached her put us over. And yeah. said, no, that's Fightful.com. Like, you, you want to be interviewed by Fightful.com. Sean wraps up his interview. Sean comes over to me. It turns out he heard it as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So Sean comes over to me. Now, I'm the kind of guy, uh, and I think Nigel and Sean probably know this, internet trolls are one thing. This is why I'm always telling Sean, don't respond to people. Internet trolls, they're miserable in life, and they're just trying to make you miserable too, and they want to bring you down. I have no problem ignoring internet trolls. But I'm the kind of guy, if you're going to chirp me in person, I'm damn well going to get in your face about it. And so when this happened, I told Sean, I have to go chirp this girl. Uh, and I was going to make a comment to her about what I made last year versus what she made last year. And Sean was, that's when Sean said, just, you know, please don't. And, 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 and I let it go. Uh, and so I'm not going to say any names, uh, but that's what happened. I'm not going to forget about it. We'll see, if we're ever, we'll see if we're ever needed by this person for publicity because we probably will be at some point and I'm not going to forget about that but I decided to be the bigger man Sean and and not not to say their name even though I badly want to out of respect for Sean Ross Sapp I'm not going to so well it shouldn't be out of respect for me it should be you practicing what you preach giving them the attention that 
they probably desperately want in the method that they want, considering their their current situation. But you're yeah. right, especially because remember Jason's sensation. We were like, let's not address it. And yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. So so mention their name. I think that's the, the and let me tell you guys. You watch my interviews. It's not going to be tough to figure out who the person is. And uh, I was very disappointed in that, just for a number of reasons. It was just really unprofessional. And you can say a lot of things that are unprofessional about me. When I'm doing my job, I do my job really goddamn good. Like, I'm very proud of how I do my job. And um, I mean, it was very clear that she didn't know who we were, right? And, and I'm and, okay with that. And yeah, and, 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 and very clearly she looked at me as, because, you know, everybody knows I dress down everywhere I go. Yeah. So no one would think that I have any money at all. And, and Chris, Van, Chris Van Vliet, funny enough, we interviewed Chris Van Vliet, who is a super sweetheart of a guy. Chris Van Vliet doesn't know my day-to-day business, and he looks at me and he goes, so you do this for a living? <laughs> and, I, and I explained to him, no, no. And then I explained my business to him and stuff like that. Yeah. So she didn't know, but uh, you don't judge a book by its cover, man. You don't do I that. Know, I knew you shouldn't have worn those $20 lugs, Jimmy. It's, it's that, that's what I've These are it. $17 champions right here, Sean. Champions are in. I'm impressed. Well, that's how I dress. I'm, I don't care. I'm, about, I, I'm wearing $100 of clothes from top to bottom right now. Although this, this, is, a, this is a Chelsea jersey. This was a little bit more expensive. But. I'm impressed uh, wearing, uh, with you wearing the champions. I actually have some champion stuff. But, yeah, um, that taught me a really big lesson, Jimmy. And uh, not that you've told me not to enter, or to uh, entertain trolls. Sometimes I'll do when they just really need burned and need to be shown how stupid they are. Or I just feel like magnifying them. That way they can, you know, sick the dogs on them, so to speak. That's okay. But I had so many positive experiences. Yeah. And I honestly, I look at that as a pot of positive experience because of the wrestler who took up for us. Yeah, it's the true. And I, I want to say one other thing. Uh, two other things, actually. So, so people that follow this podcast know that I used to work in wrestling years ago. Uh, and one of the first people that I worked with 20 years ago was Angelina Love. Back when I knew her as Lauren, because that's her real name. And one, for me, one of my fun experiences for the weekend was uh, Angel Williams. I used to call her Angelina Love. She was, she was at uh, StarCast. I walked up to her table, looked at her, didn't say anything. And she looks at me and she goes, you look familiar. And then I mentioned a mutual friend. We have a mutual friend. Uh, his wrestling name is The Tyrant. And mm-hmm. uh, she had done her show recently back here in Canada. And I said, uh, I heard you were just back home doing a show with Tyrant. And as soon as I did that, she slammed the table. She goes, Jimmy! And she remembered like that, and it was nice catching up with her. Uh, I feel very bad. I miss Justin Roberts, who is another guy that I've known for a long, long time. Who demanded that you come down, and you rejected it. So just so people know, and Sean kind of knows this, I was actually closing a deal for for my core business. I was actually closing a deal on Sunday, uh, which was the day that they were there. And then Sean and one of my employees who was in town, they came up to the suite and I got beer and food and stuff. But when Andrew texted me and said, Justin's here and he's asking you to come down, I was literally working on closing that deal uh, that very day because everybody was, it's a long story, it was an urgent situation. I couldn't leave that second. Uh, and I felt bad about it. I texted Justin. I said, come up for a drink. And he's like, I can't. I'm leaving here pretty soon because uh, yeah. he had Tommy Dreamer's thing to go to. But yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I never got to see him on the trip. It sucks. It's too bad. You big time to Justin Roberts, who I thought did a phenomenal job Saturday night. And he's he is a, a sweetheart of a guy. Up. Yes. And he is a sweetheart of a guy. He's one of the nicest guys in the business. And I, I actually haven't talked to him since. So I'm going to have to text him and, and apologize. But uh, that's what happened. Let's let's talk about the show a little bit. So Bret Hart fell off the stage. Yeah. 
They didn't show that on camera. Is he all right? Obviously. Yeah, he's fine. He's okay. All right, that's good. Uh, Something you might not want to talk about on the air, but I'm going to mention it. Uh, Have you talked publicly about how you were tipped off about the Battle Royal? I I wish that you wouldn't specify as much as what you did. I didn't say any more. It could have been anybody. You're going to get somebody in trouble. No, no. It could have been anybody. Yeah, yeah, you are. No. No, I'm not. I could be talking about Orange Cassidy. Like, it could be anything. Uh, considering what I have spoken about on other shows, yes, you have. Oh, I had no idea. Whatever. So that means you've talked publicly about it. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about John Moxley. Okay. Now, there's a bunch of stuff to talk about here. Uh, we'll talk about Jericho's podcast in a minute. Uh, I don't know if you have the notes from the podcast because I saw you put it on Fightful. So uh-huh. if, you, if you want, I'll throw that part to you. So uh, the former Dean Ambrose, so he has signed a full-time multi-year deal with AEW. Uh, Tony Khan confirmed that once their weekly TV starts, he's going to be full-time exclusive. Until then, they're going to let him do other stuff. So, uh, Fighter Fest, he's wrestling Joey Janela on June 29. Uh, Northeast Wrestling, he's got a few dates for them, including one in August against Pentagon Jr., which is very interesting. He's also going to be working for New Japan. Uh, He's got a match with Juice Robinson for the IWGP United States title on June 5th. You know what? I know that New Japan has a long-time relationship with the Ring of Honor, Sean, and you and I talked about this uh, when we were in Vegas. So now Moxley, Jericho, Omega, three guys that New Japan really, really wants, full-time exclusive with, uh, with AEW. New Japan went on record. Uh, they maintained that they have no working relationship with AEW, but it sure seems like it's a matter of time. What do you think? They should. They should. Yeah. I, I don't know why they wouldn't at this point. I mean, what... I think you and I spoke about this in Vegas, Jimmy. What does Ring of Honor have that AEW doesn't have? They have a proven ability to run live events and make them go off without a hitch. Mm -hmm. That's it. And they have a streaming service. Well, hey, you know what? So does New Japan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They have their own. And AEW can have one once they have content, you know what I mean? Or they could start one whenever. They could could start one whenever and just start Mm -hmm. filming content and Mm – Working matches in a goddamn warehouse for for all they care, but agreed. Uh, they've got TNT. They've got the talent. They've if I'm New Japan and I look at Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, especially just those three, but then throw in Chris Jericho. You got those four names. That's enough for me to do the AEW deal anyway. For sure, no question about it. They could all yeah. They, I mean the Bucks. I think the Bucks would love to work in New Japan still. Yeah, they'd have that opportunity. Cody could go there if he wants. I mean, oh yeah, it it, it looks like it'd be a, a, a logical thing to do. Hangman Page is going to be a big big name soon. Right now, back to Moxley. Uh, he appeared on Chris Jericho's podcast, which dropped this morning. We're doing this on May twenty nine. Oh boy! It dropped this morning. Uh, I have a bunch of notes about it, but do you want to go into this or do you want me to start? It is what you think it is. It is Vince McMahon ruling with an iron fist. Yeah. Good shit, pal, but it's not good shit, pal, at all. Yes. It is actually terrible shit, pal. Uh, <laughs> or as he would say, terrible poop, pal. Yeah. That needs the pooper scooper to pick it up. Yep. Uh, what the hell? It is literally exactly what we have always said it was and what every writer tells me it is. Yeah. It is Vince McMahon. Yep. Yep, and, uh, and Moxley now, to his credit, even though he complained openly about creative and he gave some examples, he, may, he, he tried his best not to, like, shit personally on anybody. I, now, granted, I what? I loved it. He said, 
I am very grateful for the WWE. Yes. Uh, they afforded me a great quality of life, helped me grow as a person. I am now an adult. I was a kid. I have an immense amount of gratitude for them. Now let me bury them for two hours. That's yep. exactly what he said. That's what he said, yep. And, and I really like the fact that the person doing this interview was Chris Jericho because they have relatable stories to each other. And I really like that because uh, uh, I, I keep on wanting to call him Dean Ambrose, but Moxley wanted to basically, you know, he said, things were cool for a while, like you just said. I met my wife there. Uh, you know, I started there as a kid eight years ago. This is what I always wanted to do. I packed up all my stuff and I moved to Florida and, and it's what he wanted. And it was, and, and how many times have we heard this from people, Sean? They take the passion for wrestling away from you. How many times have we heard that from how many different people? And he was another one. He said, they take the passion for wrestling away from you. He said, wrestling was my first love. I loved doing promos. He said, there it turned to dread. Like he dreaded doing them. Uh, and, and he gave me a couple of examples. I don't know if we need to go in depth on the examples. Um, well, I, I spoke to several wrestlers about this podcast. Because, I mean, in WWE. And there's one in particular. I'll tell you who they are off the air. But I get the feeling it wouldn't be hard for you to guess, but we're not going to play that game. Yep. But they said, <clears throat> this is quote, his podcast is breaking my heart because it's verbatim how I feel. I'm at the part where physical nausea uh, hits every Monday, to which I replied, maybe you need a gas mask or a hazmat suit. Cute. There you go. And they said, glad it's out there. It won't change anything, but I do get paid well every week. Um, and I brought up the CM Punk thing, and they said, Moxley is more respected as a non-whiny bitch, I'd think, by the office. Punk had a tendency to complain. Ambrose did the work. I've never heard words spoken like I felt uh, and felt like I did listening to that. He deserves the best. I thought I could make anything work, but maybe I can't after hearing that. And I really that believe... fucking depressing, Jimmy. Yeah, and, and I really think because one thing that Moxley said in that interview is he said, when I told him I wasn't going to resign, I thought they were going to take me off television. Uh, <laughs> and they kept him on television, and they buried him a bit, but at the same time, they made a big deal out of the Shield's last stand and everything. And I think it's because, and he said this himself, he would go to Vincent Mann every Monday, and he would fight to not have to do what he was told to do. But then he would tell Vince, okay, this is your show. And so if you want me to do this shit... I'm the man for the job because this is your show. Uh, and so I think they respected the fact that he would do it. He gave a lot of examples. I mean, the whole thing with Seth Rollins where he had to make like the people stunk and he had to wear the gas mask and he had to do the vaccinations in the ass because he was trying to protect himself from rabies from the people. We buried it on the post show. We buried yes. it on this show. And people were like, oh, no. Yeah. Yes. It, and he, he pushed back on all of it. Uh, he didn't want to do any of it. He thought it was stupid. He said, uh, he, said that prior to, he said that July of last year while he was injured, that's when he knew definitively, I'm not going to resign. And he told one story about prior to getting injured, he was on the SmackDown brand as a babyface. They handed him a script for a promo. He hated it because he thought it made him look stupid. He went to Vincent Mann. Vincent Mann laughed and said, well, that's you. You're different. That's you. And he said that he said to Vincent Mann, oh, so I'm stupid. You look at me like I'm stupid. And he, yes. said he, he said he left Vincent Mann's office knowing this is how they look at me. This is their perception of me. Uh, and so he knew that he was ready to go. And uh, Jericho said the same thing. He said being in the ring was fun, but he said it was exhausting having to go to Vince's office every Monday and fight to not have to do the stupid shit that they wrote for you. 
And most of the time, you had to do it anyway, because most of the time, he would get the writer to take it out, but Vince would put it back in. Uh, he even told one story about how he was given a note from Vince McMahon, and the note said, you need to do the promos verbatim. That's what the note said. And it's really a shame, man. It's a shame that, they, like everybody says, they're writing for an audience of one, uh, and, uh, and it's, it's becoming exhausting mentally for all these guys. And Jericho himself, he said, that's why I left. I wasn't going to leave. I never intended to work for anybody else. I had the opportunity to work Omega in Japan, and I couldn't believe the freedom I had. I couldn't believe the freedom with my promos and with, the, with putting the match together. And he said it was fun. And so that's why he just kind of kept rolling with it. And if you need a favor out of WWE, they're probably not going to be there. Remember when Vince said, need a favor, pal, to CM Punk all those times? Yes. And it didn't work out? He said the same thing to Dean Ambrose. Tried to get him to work the European tour. Well, what happened when Chris Jericho hit up WWE for a favor of his own and he wanted NXT talent on the Jericho cruise? Right. Not WWE talent, NXT talent. Right. They they flew, I I believe they flew him to Stanford and told him no in person. Right. And and he, he had, he just trumpeted WWE for life, never leaving, only WWE, only Vince McMahon. Yeah, and he also put in there. He also told a couple of stories that's kind of indicative again of what you always hear about Vince McMahon. One of them was he flew himself to Connecticut when he was coming back from injury because he had ideas for a grandiose return and he wanted to change his character and whatnot. He said he flew himself to Connecticut. He met with Vince about plans for his return. He wanted to debut changes to his character. He left deflated. Uh, because he was basically told that he was going to go back as Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, you know, sidekick kind of thing. Then he got a phone call basically saying, oh, you're coming back next week to be in his corner. Uh, and so he felt deflated about all of that. When he turned down the contract, Vince McMahon brought him into his office. And Vince McMahon said to him, why didn't you tell me that you had problems with creative? And Ambrose was ready to lose his mind. I, why do you think I went in your office every freaking Monday to bitch about the stuff you wrote for me kind of thing? And that, again, is what they're dealing with. And one other thing that uh, Ambrose said in that Jericho interview, he said he hopes that a byproduct of AEW is that WWE will reevaluate their creative process. He said WWE creative sucks, it doesn't work, and it's terrible. Uh, it's where we're at, man. And, and you know what? How many times have we talked about this? And I feel like a broken record. I know sometimes in the comments people hate that we keep reiterating this, but Vincent Mann is too old. He's too out of touch to oversee creative. He has lost sight of what made him successful to begin with. And I've talked about this before, too. I think he so badly wants to be viewed as mainstream entertainment. He wants to be viewed in the same light as television shows and as movies. And so he has incorporated those elements into his show, meaning he's got a massive writing team. Uh, The people that he hires all have television experience, like the girl with the Emmy from uh, The Young and the Restless or whatever it was. He scripts everybody's promos verbatim, which means that there's no individuality. Everybody sounds the same. And that's kind of where they're at now. And uh, you know something? Popularity is eroding at an alarming rate. We've talked about it. If I was Triple H, I would be damn well concerned. And I think Triple H must be concerned. And this didn't happen overnight. It's been trickling down for 15 years. It started when they were banning words. You know what I mean? You can't say wrestling. You can't say fan. You can't say belt. Then they start scripting promos word for word. Do you remember JBL's story from the Hall of Fame? I don't. JBL is going to do the, the, the induction speech for Ron Simmons, his best friend in the wrestling business, and a writer handed him a script. JBL, who's going to induct Ron Simmons, and a writer handed him a script. JBL tore the script up, threw it in the writer's face, and said, don't ever bring me a, a script when I'm going to do something for my, for my best friend like that. 
And that's kind of where things have gotten to with the company. There is no better time for a competitor to step up than right now. AEW has an opportunity no one else I don't think is ever going to get again because they have the funding, they have the television deal, and they have the roster. And if they cannot succeed, Sean, no one is going to succeed as a competitor to WWE. And again, people that are kind of anti-AEW because they're, they're lifelong WWE fans, you need to listen to John Moxley's uh, interview with Chris Jericho. And you need to understand, nobody wants WWE to die. We want the industry to be healthy. And maybe if AEW is successful, then they'll get the shit, their shit together in WWE. And maybe Vince McMahon will decide, okay, maybe I need to take a step back and give Hunter a little bit more uh, creative freedom. And maybe things will change. Yeah, creative freedom is important. I do it with my writers too. I say, right. do it, what, make it good, and and we'll rock with it. Uh, if you stifle people and you limit them, and eventually they're going to want to fly the coop. And it made me very happy because I all I heard for so long, Jimmy was, oh, all that money, all that money, all that money. I, I'm very happy with what I do, and I get paid pretty well to do it. But if I didn't have creative satisfaction, I don't know that I would enjoy it so much. You see that in The Revival. You see that in Rhino. You see that in Ty Dillinger. You see that in uh, John Moxley. And I'm very happy to see that because, uh, man. Yeah, you, Sasha you Banks too, those, right? You've got all those people who just say, oh, they should be grateful that – okay, well, Dean Ambrose said he was grateful. I mean – Ah, I'm just so happy to hear that. I was so happy to hear that because it just reinforces what we've been saying every time something like this happens. Yeah, and, and money's not everything. It's not. And, uh, and even Terry Funk, good old Terry Funk, who I think it might, might even be older than Miss McMahon, uh, he did an interview with Justin Barrasso from Sports Illustrated, and I got a quote from that interview. And this is Terry Funk, who's, what, you can look him up. He's got to be 74, 75 years old. He said about WWE, quote, they have the best talent in the world, but they have no fresh ideas. They should be selling out every arena. Vince thinks he's fresh. He thinks he's the best. That's when you get knocked on your ass. Uh, and if they're going to be ignorant to AEW, they're going to get knocked on their ass. So uh, we'll see what happens. Man, again, if I was Triple H, I, and I, I think Triple H probably is concerned, which is why we've heard the stories about him pulling aside NXT call-ups on the main roster. Uh, and it even came out uh, this week, Pro Wrestling Insider uh, reported that Road Dog, who we know was frustrated working Vincent Mann on the SmackDown brand as a writer, he's now working for full-time on the NXT brand, under Hunter. Yeah, and uh, I think we need to get up some good shit pal shirts as soon as possible <laughs> on the shop, uh, quite frankly. But yeah, that, that was just a wild way to cap off an insane week, and I yeah. mean... I'm, by all accounts, it looks like I'm going to try to make it to Chicago. I don't know if I'll drive. Maybe I don't know what the, what the situation will be. Hotels are already a pain in the ass, Jimmy. I, you had, we had talked about that before, about how they keep putting these on very expensive weekends. Like, mm -hmm. eventually they got to step out beyond that. But, I mean, they've got some decent-looking stuff uh, in the coming months, like Dean Ambrose or John Moxley versus Janela at mm -hmm. Fighter Fest. That's an interesting one. Um, they, they've got shows coming up, Fighter Fest, Fight for the Fallen, and uh, All Out. That's back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back months. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty cool, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And speaking of working with and under Triple H, Jimmy, I spoke to Sean Waltman, WWE Hall of Famer. Take a listen. Or look! Sean Ross at Fightful.com. Here with a WWE Hall of Famer and Sean Waltman. It's beautiful. How you doing? Great. 
nice to finally meet you. Yeah, and, and one of the hey, You wrote a nice article uh, I was talking about my, like, yeah. my influence and all that. And so, yeah. Really, and I, I, Anyways, when, yeah, it meant a lot to me. I just wanted to tell you that on camera. Well, it means a lot, a lot to hear that. Yeah, when I, when I was a kid, I was undersized, and I saw a one, two, three kid, and I was like, man, maybe I could do this. But the question I've always had, 212 pounds, was that a shoot? Uh, <laughs> never really. Like, I mean, you know how those things are. Yeah. Always wanted to be over 200 Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So, so you weren't necessarily right? at times. Oh, okay, you know, it kind of floated around that area, you know, but eh. and, and, and I even got up to about like, two thirty-five one time, but it was really not a good two thirty-five. What, what period was that? Right after I got out of my third <laughs> rehab. So, like, you look at that now and build us two hundred twelve pounds. That's technically a UFC heavyweight these days. Like Anything above two hundred five sure. pounds. Brian Pillman yeah. making a cameo in the background. So we see the transition, and wrestlers are like smaller than ever, yeah. and they're they're almost more athletic than ever. Do, do you hear that a lot? That you've influenced some of those guys? Yeah, yeah, I do. And I mean, it, it, and you know, the style that a, that a lot of the guys, the mid-sized heavyweights, are doing now. Yeah. Like, you know, the Seth Rollinses and all those guys. I mean, yeah, Jerry, like Jerry Land, who's over there, and uh, you know. And, some other guys that were that came up in, in that same you know yeah. era like that you know because it wasn't just me it was you know there's guys to me that I thought were better than me I just am the one that got the uh, the opportunity mm-hmm. you know for one reason or another um, you know I was I put myself in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. more than they did or whatever not, not, not downplaying my ability or whatever yeah. but all I'm trying to say is like there was several guys like me that kind of yeah you know um brought that to the forefront here in the states but like i got the wwe opportunity and then no one worked that style there even the smaller guys didn't work that style and now that seems to be the prevalent you know way to work and that's cool i'm really grateful for that it's funny like you said i i hear like you know, you see Seth Rollins come to the ring and they announce his weight, and it's under 220, right? Yeah. It's in the two, you know, 215 or two. Anyways, yeah. So it's like that's a heavyweight. Now yeah. he's the heavyweight champion, right? 
I, I did like a, a thing where we go through Wikipedia and we ask people if this is true or not. EC3's weight was always like 20 pounds above what it actually was. He was like, I've never been above 225, yeah, 230. Yeah, he, carried a, you know, he yeah. carries a, well, he's lean, incredibly lean. And, yeah. Yeah. So uh, a guy that we're, fight, we're familiar for or with at Fightful.com, Matt Riddle, always talked about how in- instrumental you were because you recommended him for a tryout, yeah. and then he, he blew the doors off the tryout. And uh, what, what was your thought when you walked in and saw him for the first time and kind of gave him that seal of approval? Uh, he did, you know what? Okay, I'm sure it helped that I, you know, that I put my stamp uh, yeah. on Matt Riddle, but I mean, if it wasn't me, somebody, you know, would have would have seen him, and you know, he, you know, like the Monster Factory where he came up. Uh, like, if you if you make it through the Monster Factory, um, any cage, you know that it, like yeah. that person really worked their ass yeah. off. You know, you know they have a good work ethic, and and but when I saw Matt get in the ring and actually start doing some things and. And seeing like the type of ideas that he was coming yeah. up with, and I'm like, okay, <clears throat> he's coming up with new things and new ways to do things, and and his execution is in, in just amazing. So, you know, you just knew, yeah, you just knew. As we wrap up, is that something you'd ever be interested in? Like maybe a scouting role? I see William Regal occasionally poking his head out of out of curtains to scout people. I mean, if they asked me to do that, and and, and we all like. Several of us kind of already, in, you know, like informally do that. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're out, it's kind of like I did with that. Yeah. Or just different people you see and you go, oh, my God, you got to do something with this guy. You know, uh, but I'm more the teacher. Like, I, I'm going back down there to the Performance Center next, I think maybe next week. Okay. Going to go do some stuff with them for two weeks. So. Well, I want to thank you so much. Check out his podcast, one of my favorite, Xbox One Two Three Sixty. I want to thank you so much, Thanks, man. man. Good shit, pal. You know something, I, man? I left Vegas with a sinus infection, Jimmy. Oh, dude, yeah, it, that happens sometimes because of the flight and the dry air and, well, and all that stuff. I, I probably need a, a giant novelty-sized syringe to vaccinate myself or at least that's what you suggested and i've been fighting against it there you go yeah so uh maybe i'll make you get a pooper scooper sean oh my god so back on the theme about how wwe makes you lose your passion for wrestling tj Mm -hmm. perkins did an interview with sports kita and he told a similar story but from another side another point of view uh, he talked about how he was losing his passion for the in-ring aspect of wrestling because of WWE, which I thought was very interesting. And here's a yeah. quote from that interview. He said, quote, The last few years I would show up to the arena and wonder how my match that night will be wrestled for me through a referee's two-way headset. I'd be in the ring and often be watching the match unfold just like anyone else on the other side of the guardrail. Isn't that interesting? That's a side of it that mm-hmm. I never really thought of. And, uh, and again, uh, uh, anybody that might be relatively new to wrestling, the veterans like to call it on the fly. So yeah. like a guy, a guy like AJ Styles or even guys that don't have as much experience as AJ Styles, they like to call it in the ring. Obviously, they go over uh, certain spots with the producer and they go over the finish with the producer and things like that. Otherwise, they like to call it in the ring. But now, like uh, TJ Perkins said, because the referee has a two-way headset, he's being given orders during the matches, which can completely mess up the flow. 
of the match. Yeah. But I never heard a wrestler, I think T.J. Perkins is the first wrestler that I ever heard actually put it in those terms. And uh, yeah. so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, uh, we also talked to TJP this weekend. Uh, he's as outspoken as always. That's that's him. But yeah, I mean, like we would in any wrestling school worth their salt will make you learn how to call matches on the fly. I know OVW. You can say what you want about about Rip Rogers and their training methods. Those people there learn to work one hour matches on the fly, and they do not plan spots and. Uh, a lot of the times when you go in and you just chain wrestle, like you'll you'll go in and and you know I'll go up to my catch coach and we won't say a word uh, outside of okay let's start mm-hmm. and you will go from spot to spot to spot without saying anything so you can get familiar with that. I think everybody needs to, but the micromanaging aspect of WWE mm-hmm. is uh, a little frustrating at some point. It is, and when you when you think about the last fifteen years. It's hard to remember any memorable promos over the last 10 yeah. or 15 years. Uh, it's really hard. Whereas you go back further than that, you can think of a lot of good ones from Dusty Rhodes or Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin or whoever, because they'd be told, you got five minutes, here's the bullets. Make sure you hit yeah. them. And that yeah. was it. And, and it's different I, now. I liked JR's uh, thing. I mean, you know, some of JR's takes are just absolutely brutal. But he said, if you can't cut a promo by yourself without having somebody write it for you, or without it being scripted, you should probably find something else to do. Yeah, but the problem is today's generation, that's how they've been taught in WWE. Yeah. That's how they've been uh, in taught. WWE, in yeah. WWE. Yeah, so that's not really their fault, you know? Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you this, man. I hear that another website claims that NJF is going to sue you. Well, I mean, MJF claimed that when we reached out to him for the story. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, that was funny. I And Andrew said to me, are you really surprised they ran a story on that? And I said, I shouldn't be. MJF is going to be a big star. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's only 23 years old. I will admit that when I first was introduced to MJF, he reminded me of, a, of another Miz type. Yeah. Looks like him, dresses like him. Uh, and that's who I thought of. But since then, I've seen some of his stuff. And he is funny and he's, he's sharp. Miz is too. But Miz now, I think, is kind of the PG WWE you know, character. Yeah. Uh, MJF still has more, a little bit more freedom. We'll see if that continues in yeah, October. Yeah, he told me to get the fuck out of his hotel room when I yeah. asked him if, Stokely, if he stole Stokely Hathaway's CD player. And I got to tell you, so Chris Van Vliet again, uh, because I, I've talked to him a fair bit uh, since we met him. Um, he interviewed MJF in MJF's hotel room in Vegas. And Chris had texted me and said, uh, it was so awkward. I had to sit there looking at the camera because he, got, he answered the door for room service while we were taping. Check out Chris Van Vliet's interview with MJF because it is one of the greatest things I have ever seen, including MJF feeding Chris his omelet doing, like, the choo-choo train. Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious, so I, I, I definitely uh, recommend I, you check that out. I started to inter- or edit my interview with MJF, which, by the way, he unplugged my mic. Thanks, thanks for that. Um, so the first part of it at the MGM was unusable. He cut a promo on a security guard that kicked us out of the area and said, don't you know I'm about to wrestle in front of 13,000 people? He, I'm pretty sure, intentionally got us lost on the way to his hotel room just because I was carrying camera equipment. I think he wanted to be a dick. He stopped by Whiskey Down where he saw someone wearing an AEW shirt 
They didn't notice him, but he stared at them until he did. And then when they locked eyes with them, he said, fuck you, and then walked away. <laughs> he lives the gimmick, man. He lives the gimmick. Uh, gimmick. Yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we, I turn on my camera to start filming. Thankfully, in his hotel room, I do have camera audio. And it captures him bragging off air about how he won $6 at Blackjack. <laughs> That's all he cared uh, about. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, he showed me, he showed his actual driver's license on the, the air. Because I compared him to Danny Almonte. Do you know who Danny Almonte is? No. He was the little league baseball player who was supposed to be like 12. And he was actually like, I don't know, 40 or something. Okay. But uh, to get ahead in his career, and I accused MJF of maybe being a little bit older than what he said. He showed his actual physical driver's license. So, yeah, that's coming up. I've got some uh, heavy editing to do there. And I hear that at SmackDown this week, uh, they were confiscating, they confiscated the sign that said, you aren't MJF. Yes. Now, have you heard if that was a WWE directive or a building directive? I haven't. I've reached out, though. Okay, because if that was a WWE directive, they need to cut the shit with that. Yeah. They need to cut the shit. They need to understand that everything is going to go viral in this era and that you're just going to put them over more by doing stuff like that. Like, they really need to understand this if it was a WWE directive. Um, and I guess following along those same lines, Sami Zayn mentioning AEW, was it scripted or did he improvise? Uh, scripted, from what I understand. Scripted from what you understand. Or uh, I believe he was told that... Uh he could mention AEW. That, that's as far as I've been told is that uh, a mention of AEW was approved, but I, I've hardly been able to get that confirmed with the one person who would really know, or two people, Sami Zayn or Vince McMahon. Right. Okay. I mean, my opinion of this is that when you are number one, you don't mention number two. When you're number two, you go aggressive after number one. Uh, and that's, that's not just in wrestling, that's in business in general. And uh, when Eric Bischoff took over WCW, they were number two. He went aggressive after WWE. He put a show on live when they were taped. He put a show on an hour earlier. He gave away the, the results of their matches. He did everything he could in order to knock on their door and get their attention. That's what AEW was doing. And that's why Cody Rhodes makes mention of WWE and he did the Triple H thing at Double or Nothing and the Young Bucks have taken shots at WWE. They want it to be known we're knocking at your door. WWE is number one. You should not acknowledge AEW. They've always and, done it, though. They've always done it, from taking shots at bingo halls to yeah. uh, having Jim Cornette like go on there and rant about Hogan and Piper to the billionaire Ted skits. To yeah, now granted, they were WWE was number two when they were doing that. Like when Jim Cornette was taking shots, skits, not not in January of 1996. I mean, was that around I'm, that time? Yeah, it was January because that led up to a WrestleMania 12 gimmick between. The Huckster and the Nacho Man. And Nash was still there. Okay. But, I mean, they've had John Cena mention that he would go to TNA in a promo. They've had uh, Loki. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that it was intentional. I think it probably was something he did, but he mentioned TNA. There was the old Kurt Angle. I hear TNA is hiring. Granted, by then, they were probably like, what, number three, yeah. four? So the then time. they don't care. Yeah, then they yeah. don't care. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the thing. Once somebody is number three... Yeah. They don't give a shit. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah, because they're not competition at that point. But AEW yeah. damn well is. Yes, they and, are. And so, and so they should leave it alone. And um, for, for those people who say, no, it's not, well, then explain to me why in a backstage interview it was explicitly stated that AEW is competition. It's lumped in with 
video games and movies and yada yada yada. Right. Yeah. Oh, it. it I mean, I mean, they've got national television on TNT in the fall. They've got an owner with more money than Vincent Mann has. Yes. They are competition, and and this is how it is. And this is a fun time in the business, like we've talked about, because even though they're not going to be going head to head on the same night. They are the first company that has the resources not just to go after WWE castoffs. They have the resources yeah. to go after prime players. Whenever a prime player's contract is coming up, Sean, they're damn well going to look at AEW as opposed to back in the day when, uh, oh, you know, they don't want me, so now I'll go to Impact because I tried to stay, but they don't want me. Different, different ballgame now. The best and thing they can do, too, which may be even more important than the money they can offer is prove that they can satisfy people creatively because right. those are the people you're going to get. You're going to get the Sasha Banks, the Revival, the Ty Dillingers. You're going to get the Nevilles that are extremely talented people who have made some money, but they're looking at, they're surveying the landscape and they're going, man, this just isn't what I had envisioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are a lot of people who get into wrestling for the money. But there are a whole lot of people that are just artists, and that's why they love pro wrestling. I agree. Because they love to paint a picture, and they love to tell a story. I agree. And, and now that we've heard from Moxley just how exhausting Monday nights were for him, uh, and how he would, get, he would get physically sick knowing that he had to go to Raw and battle Vince McMahon over his creative, you know he's not alone in that, Sean. You know he's not. Correct, yes. So, all right, uh, a few more things here. So, Luchasaurus has officially signed with AEW. Uh, I put up notes about Double or Nothing on Fightful Select because uh, Mr. Ross Sapp was at the arena and I was watching in the hotel room. So I put up notes and one of the things that I had said was that I really liked Luchasaurus because yeah. he, he was in the Battle Royal. He looked different than everybody else. And so I really liked him and uh, so I was happy to hear that he assigned. The only criticism that I will give to him is that I found that he needs to work on his psychology a little bit. I found that he sold too much off of one punch or one clothesline from guys a lot smaller than him. He would drop too many. You saw that too? I, I was able to watch the buy-in. Yeah. And I, I said that to to Kara. My wife was watching it with me, and I was like, ah, he should not be bumping off a clothesline from Jimmy Havoc. Yes. I completely agree. And, and to be honest with you, Hangman Page probably shouldn't have been shouldn't have bumped off a clothesline from Jimmy Havoc. So right. Luchasaurus definitely shouldn't. He's going to stand out. It's one of those situations where he's not a seven-foot-tall guy, mm-hmm. but everybody else, and I don't want to say is undersized because they're not undersized. They're normal-sized human beings, people who are the actual size of real athletes is what we're seeing in AEW. But when you have a six-foot-five guy who's 235, 240 pounds, you can look at that and say, man, that's a UFC heavyweight right there. Like I mentioned to Sean Waltman, yeah, UFC heavyweights – cap out at 265 right and how many people ever jimmy have we seen muscle bound cutting to 265 it's like what lesnar and shane carwin and and maybe tim sylvia that's it most athletes that are big 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 dudes are about the size of a luchasaurus so right i'm completely on board with that you scale the size down a little bit but then you bring a guy like that in also by the way he's got some WWE experience. He was he was there for a couple of years in developmental. He'd been in Lucha Underground as Vibora, and he just has such a cool goddamn look, Jimmy. He does. He does. Yeah, and that's why he really stood out to me. And uh, yeah, I hope he does well. All right, let's go to stupid people. Stupid people is what this segment's called. You might wonder why we do it. It's not about wrestling at all. 
used to be WWE's weekly usage of stupid nicknames Which we did hoping they'd stop giving wrestlers lame names But it didn't work so we gave up in the new segment We came up with this stupid people Stupid people Stupid people Duh Alright Sean, never ceases to amaze me man um, The SRS file this week Sean this guy might go down as the dumbest criminal in the history of Stupid People News. Okay. And so wait till you get to that one. This first one, this was sent in by Luis Rodriguez, and it was reported by the Wichita Eagle on May 10. Nigel's going to like this one. So I guess there's something in the state of, the Can- of state of Kansas that was happening enough with the police that they decided that they better pass a law to curtail it. Nigel, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think has been happening uh, too often with police in the state of Kansas? Oh, geez. I don't know. Shooting people. So the new law makes it a crime for police to have sex with people that they pull over for traffic violations. What? Or detain in criminal investigations. Apparently, Kansas is one of 33 U.S. states where consensual sex between police and people in their custody isn't a crime, Nigel. Yep. And in the state of Kansas, it came to light because an investigation uncovered that a detective named Roger Golubsky had a long history of coercing sex from women in Kansas City's black community by threatening to arrest them or their relatives if they didn't comply. Whoa. How is that not a crime nationwide? Why do you have to, like, pass a bill for that shit, Sean? Yeah. Because, uh... Yeah, you got nothing. You got nothing. Yeah, because it's dumb. It's dumb. America. <laughs> I appreciate hearing that from you. America. Yeah, yeah, America. This next one was reported by the New York Post on May 25, and this is something else we talk about a lot on this show. So there is a job that college grads want so badly, Sean. They want so badly that the acceptance rate for the job is lower than the acceptance rate for getting into Harvard. What job do you think is in this kind of demand, Sean? Baristas. Driving the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. Put up a photo of one, Nigel. There it is. Last hey, year, last Dean year, Ambrose. Sean. Huh? Dean Ambrose, didn't you hear him mention that on his podcast? He was like, I just knew whenever I came back, they were going to have me show up in the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile or some shit. Well, apparently they wouldn't because the, uh, the acceptance rate is so low. But uh, wow. last year, Sean, 6,000 new grads applied to drive the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. This year, 7,000 have applied, and they only pick 12 each year. The salary is minimal, Sean. The hours are long. The travel demands are heavy. So why are kids wanting this job, Sean? Uh, I so they can drive Nigel the Wiener knows. and something. Uh, no, they want the job because of the attention. Mm. So last summer, Oscar Mayer generated almost 2 million views on YouTube. Kids are clamoring to get in on that. And one former Wienermobile driver told the New York Post, quote, I loved that everywhere we went, people would point and stare. Everyone is happy to see you. You become a celebrity by proxy. This is the world we live in now, Sean. Jimmy, if you want people to stop and stare and take note, and you need a little bit of help driving your wiener, our buddies at Blue Chew can help. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. Maybe you need a little bit of assistance steering it in. Blue Chew gets it done. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. 
Since they're chewable, they work <laughs> twice as fast as the pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The acceptance rate is much higher at BlueChew.com <laughs> because it's prescribed online, shipped straight <clears throat> to your door in that discreet package. No waiting at the pharmacy, no in-person doctor's visits, no more awkwardness. Made in the USA and prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. They're better, faster, cheaper. Right now, we have a special deal. Free. I'm telling you, free. Just use the code FIGHTFUL. Hit them up at GetBlueChew. Let them know you heard about them from us. Just pay that $5 shipping. Hot damn. Thing's not plugged in, Nigel. Oh, it probably is, actually. But. All right. So we got one more for the SRS file. That was a great segue. <laughs> but we got one more for the SRS file that was sent in by Alex Anderson. It was reported by the Wenatchee, Washington World on May 21st. Like I said, probably the dumbest criminal in the history of stupid people. So dumb that I decided I wanted to post this fellow's mugshot. Put that up, Nigel. There you go. So this is a 27-year-old convicted felon out of Kashmir, Washington. His name is Cameron Jeffrey Wilson, all right? This guy had a really bad April, Sean. He had a really okay. bad April, all right? So it started out on April 5th. He had uh, a gun tucked into his front pocket. It discharged, and he shot himself in the balls. Oh! All right? A real ball buster, that guy. Yeah, which is why it made the SRS file. But instead of <laughs> going to the hospital, instead of going to the hospital, first he had his girlfriend drive him to a park so that he could give the gun to a friend because he was a convicted felon, meaning that it was illegal for him to possess a firearm. Okay? Drives to the park, gives the guy the gun. Then he goes to the hospital. During surgery, a balloon containing marijuana slipped out of his ass. Oh, no. Cops were notified. They searched his car in the, in the hospital parking lot, and they found a bag of meth. Because he was hospitalized, they didn't arrest him right then. They issued a warrant instead on suspicion of second-degree felon in possession of a firearm and unlawful possession of meth. That was on April 16th. Yeah. All right? April 16th. Though, so Wilson gets released from the hospital, and because they have that warrant out, he turns himself in. That was on April 18th that he turns himself in. During a strip search, another balloon of marijuana slips out his ass. <laughs> He's a clown, isn't he? He's like making balloons. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. Then, so he was arrested and charged with possession of a controlled substance. Uh, that was on April 19th. Then from jail, he made multiple calls to his girlfriend and told her not to cooperate with investigators. He, f he forgot they monitor phone calls. So he was charged with four counts of tampering with a witness. And that was on April 26th. And you damn well better believe he's behind bars as we speak. You know what I love? Isn't I that unbelievable? I love the messed up priorities. Because yes. it's like he puts the weed in his ass yes. with the meth in his car. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, that's all. Like physical factors that went into that. Like maybe one was a little bit more pleasant to get up there than the other. Maybe, maybe he looked at it from a health perspective. What if the meth like gets out of the bag or something? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that could be. I don't know. Uh, back to wrestling. So you know, we just talked all about Vincent Man and about the creative issues they're having, and you know, they want stuff taken out. He puts it back in and whatever. Baron Corbin is the number one contender for the Universal Title, Sean, and he's going to get a title shot at Super Showdown now. Well, Jimmy, it's because Super Showdown is just as big as WrestleMania, as they've said. There you go. Then they did say that. They did say that. So Baron Corbin, who was defeated cleanly 
on Raw last week in that tag match, and Baron Corbin, who no one gives a, sh- a shit or fuck about, is now the number one contender for the Universal title. And when I saw that finish combined with Moxley's interview, it kind of paints a picture for you. Um, so there was that. Uh, Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura. So the SmackDown tag scene is arguably the worst it's ever been. Where are Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura? Chilling. Just chilling. Chilling. No creative for them. Nothing for them to do. Nothing for them. Nothing for them. Guy that they had to have so bad from New Japan and uh, guy that was super over. I mean, they're, they've, I think they stopped working. They haven't been back on, I don't know if, I don't want to say on the road. They haven't worked matches since the European tour. And uh, I know that Nakamura is booked like for a title match in Japan. But other than that, but why wouldn't he be? Why wouldn't he be? Yeah. That's a be, real but, uh, shame, man. That, yeah, they, they worked a couple of live events in uh, Europe, too, when they were the real, <laughs> the, the the tough crew where they were all singles matches that, that last day. But other than that, man. You know what? N- not to disrespect the revival and not to disrespect Gallows and Anderson, but Rusev and Nakamura, those guys are stars. You know what I mean? Those guys are stars. Those guys had the fans behind them, even when WWE wasn't behind them. And uh, they should be on television, and it is, it is a travesty that they're not. Uh, again, we're doing this on May 29. What the hell is going on with Terry Runnels? My God. What in the world is that? that dating New Jack really rubbed off on her, didn't it? It's so funny you say that because I actually put on my note on my thing here that I remember New Jack telling some crazy stories about her, which I'm not going to repeat on the air. But uh, my goodness, Terry Runnels. So if nobody's heard, so of course, formerly Marlena with Goldust. Today, May 29, she was arrested at Tampa International Airport for carrying a concealed firearm, which is a Class Three felony. She had a loaded gun with 11 bullets in it. She was taken to jail. She faces up to five years in prison and up to $5,000 in fines. I never, I mean, I don't know much about Terry Reynolds, but I never would have pegged her for that. You know what I mean? It's very interesting. I, I don't want to throw out accusations because I don't know. But if that happened to anybody else, I would say they got to be gimmicked up. Like, they got to be on something to think that that's okay. Uh, hopefully she wasn't. That was friggin' weird. Really weird. And, and she, she carried it. Today, I was like, what? Yeah, she carried it right through security. Like, what did she think was going to happen? You know, so there was that. And then uh, one more thing from my list today, Joey Ryan. Uh, have you heard anything about his contract situation? Because SoCal Uncensored says that he turned down an offer from AEW. Have you heard much? Well, I, I believe uh, that outlet, they're very good. But if I were him, I, I would maybe do that if for a number of reasons. The Indies are about to lose 20 or, or like 30 or 40 people, Jimmy. Who's right. going to work the Indies? <laughs> You're right. Joey is. Yep. Well, he's uh, at a bar wrestling show tomorrow, May 30th, in Baldwin Park, California. He will supposedly announce his future plans. Okay. Uh, but I think you make a very good point because even all of these people that are disgruntled by, uh, with WWE right now, and a lot of them are probably waiting for their contracts to end, AEW is not going to pick them all up. That's you know true. What I mean? And so some of them are going to end up making a living in the indies. Uh, if TJ Perkins is any indication, there's a good living to be had in the indies. But, uh, yeah, they're not, not all going to end up there. So that's all I got for you this week, man. Next week, we will be back live. I promise you, new hardware, we will be back live. Guys, check out FightfulSelect.com. That is the most direct way to support us. We have lots of cool stuff there. I did the Fightful Report this week. Uh, exclusives, uh, my Vegas experience, 
injuries, contract updates, all that stuff. I will review the Double or Nothing broadcast on there. Once I get it watched, I'm going to try to take that in tonight. Uh, but we've just got a ton of stuff. All of our interviews are going to go up there early from here on out, uh, and the articles that go from them or come from them. So uh, that Tier 2 is a good place to, to be at. Jimmy, got anything else going on this week? My son's second birthday on Saturday. Uh, and I was telling Sean off the air, he wasn't even born yet when we started doing this thing. Wild, man. I remember because yeah. I did – I did the green screen gimmick and pretended I was in the, the hospital. Yes, you did. In, in, in some woman's room that wasn't my wife. Uh, well, that's debatable. <laughs> that's debatable. Anyway, Guys, yeah, he's going to be two on Saturday. Leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe. Click that bell for notifications. Most importantly, share our stuff on social media. Until next time, we're out. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcast, interviews, and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.